What a great intro that is. Makes you want to wrap it through, doesn't it? It's not going to happen, though. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I can do it. Well, I'll work on it. I'll get Pete Allen to start coaching me in the, the rapping in it. <laughs> All credibility, just gone. Stop adding them. Get on to what you're meant to be saying. Grace. Grace is an incredible word. An incredible word. And the anatomy of grace, the anatomy of grace, the, the structure, the internal workings of, of grace, it sets you off with, with questions. Questions. What is it? What is grace? How do we experience grace? How do we show grace? I've been pursuing my faith for 15 years where I can say this has been personal for me. And the more I see and the, the more I read, the, the more I've gone after Jesus trying to, trying to, trying to know him, trying to understand him, the, the more incredible grace becomes. I've realised that God's grace is dangerous. It is outrageous, even scandalous. Reading through the, the Gospels, the, the four accounts of Jesus' life and, and, and teaching, seeing those encounters with Jesus. Prostitutes, lepers, beggars, Roman soldiers, tax collectors, robbers, murderers. They seem to be attracted to Jesus. And he placed himself in in situations where God, where the Son of God just shouldn't be. Jesus was constantly on the edge of town. And no one was excluded from God's grace. We're in a new five-week series called Grace Anatomy, which is looking at grace. Not so much the the science of it, but the, the stories. The stories of grace through the Bible, through history, and through our lives here and now. And for us, with this, I want us to go with Jesus to the edge of town and see the evidence for God's grace so that we can experience that grace and we can show that grace. If we go to the Bible and open it up at Luke 18, Luke 18. There are two encounters here with Jesus that I want us to read through. And both happen on the edge of town. The first comes with with Bartimaeus in Luke 18, starting in verse 35. And the the second comes with Zacchaeus. It follows on in Luke 19, verses 1 to to 10. There may be a a change of of chapter, but these two encounters are connected. They're also contrasted. Bartimaeus was poor. Zacchaeus was rich. Bartimaeus was powerless. Zacchaeus was powerful. Bartimaeus was uh, oppressed. Zacchaeus was an oppressor. And we could, we could push that out to the, to the extremes, uh, the very poor and the, and, the, and the very rich people that we may never meet. So what I want us to do, what I want us to do is to pull this in and say, these people are here with us here and now in this church in house zone where we meet people in the playground at college in the office on site off site on the bus on the train at the match we meet them every day of our lives 
These are ordinary people living out ordinary lives who may or may not be poor or rich, powerless or or powerful. It doesn't matter because what they are, what they are is living their lives on the edge of town, away from God. And it is these ordinary people that we're there to show God's grace to. Let's start reading. Let's start reading. Luke 18, verse 35, it says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. We're traveling. We're, We're moving. Jesus was approaching Jericho. When we read the Bible, it's never static. It has movement. It has flow. It has direction, the scenery, the people, the towns, the the villages, the the fields, the, the wastelands. Things have happened. Things have happened before these two encounters. Things have led up to this. Things will happen afterwards when, when Jesus moves on. But for this time, we're here. And we can set our minds going on this, seeing this, imagining what this was like. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and, and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. There is a, a lot going on here. We've got Jesus, we know something of him. Then there is a, a blind man sitting by the roadside begging. In the Gospel of Mark, where this encounter is repeated, he's given a, a name, Bartimaeus, which in Hebrew meant son of rubbish or son of filth. Everyone that called this man's name insulted him further. He was a, a nobody, a, a, a cast out from the community on the edge of town. And then we've got the crowd. The crowd. In the, in the Middle East, village people show honour to an important guest by walking some distance out of the town to greet the guest and escort them into the village. The popularity of a, of a guest could be, could be measured by how far the crowd walks to, to welcome the visitor. I want to use the, the flip chart here to uh, illustrate this. It's not that clever a, a picture, but for visual learners, it's going to do the business. Here we go. We've got Jericho. Jericho at the center. And then we've got this going around here. This is the... edge of town let's go for the red now then we've got this coming through here this is Jesus and here first encounter here second encounter so we've got Bartimaeus we'll call him Bart it's easy to spell and we've got Zacchaeus Zach down here second encounter Let's work with that. And what I want us to do here, as we move with this, as we read these through, 
is to say where God has been challenging me. Where's God been challenging me? And the first thing comes here at the start. I believe God is saying, if we're really going to see his grace, if we're going to see his grace, then we've got to go. We've got to go to the edge of town. And this isn't about distance. It's about being where people are. He's been prepared to, to be in their lives, even if we don't like what we're seeing, what we're hearing. Mess. Mess. The, the word covers so many different things. Mess. And often people's lives can be messy, what they've done, what they're, what they're doing. But we have to enter that mess because that is what Jesus did. And that is who Jesus attracted. People with messy lives. And the church, the church, if it really is the, the body of Christ here on earth, it should be attracting the same people that Jesus did. And there's been a, a number of times, a number of times in, in recent years where I've thought, this is messy, this is messy. I don't know if I can be close to that person. They're on the, the edge, the edge of my town. But I feel God has said, go, go, and you go. And sometimes, not all the time, when you get closer, they experience God's grace coming through, changing their life. And you know what God does? What he does next? He moves. He moves the edge of town. He asks more of us, takes us into messier situations. And in doing that, we see more of his grace. No situation, no person is off limits to God. The ministry, the ministry of Jesus was, was started with a word and it was finished with a word. The first word was come. The last word was go. Come experience God's grace. Go express God's grace. We need to be where grace is so that we can take it to where grace isn't. Because this world needs it. It is dying for it. Coming back to Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, what we've got is someone who is determined to, to, to see Jesus. And then we've got the, the crowd that is embarrassed by this blind beggar. They're trying to shut him up, lead the, the popular rabbi past this son of rubbish. But Jesus knew. And it says Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. The crowd were were turned. Jesus forced them to escort Bartimaeus, the, the outcast, into the king's presence. And that is the second thing. Be influenced by God, not the crowd. Be influenced by God, not the crowd. The crowd may say, the world may say, this person isn't important enough. This person is a, an outcast, a, a, a nobody. This person could never know God, could never know his grace, could never change their too far out of town. But Jesus never played to the crowd. He never called the crowd. He called the committed. And he was prepared to, to leave the crowd for the one, the one in need of God's grace. When Bartimaeus came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to, to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. 
when all the people saw it, they also praised God. What an encounter. And have you ever, have you ever asked the question, how did Jesus always seem to end up in the right place at the right time, saying the, the right lines? How did he do that? Maybe it's just me when I, when I read the Gospels, but he, he does, doesn't he? Right place, right time, right lines. And you could say, easy answer. Jesus was God. He was bound to. And he was, and he did. But what does that mean for me? How can we be more like Jesus? What can I learn from this? And something else that I get from the, from the Gospels and from these two encounter stories is maybe a sense, maybe a sense of what was going through Jesus' mind. See, Jesus was on a, on a mission. He was on a mission. He had an agenda. But in his conversations with people on the edge of town, he didn't say, he didn't say, I've got places to go, people to see. I'm on, a, I'm, on a, I'm on a deadline, I have three years, at the end of this I'm going to give my life. It has eternal consequences and I don't need you. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. I think what was going through Jesus' mind, what I think should be going through my mind and, and our minds is this question. What is God already doing in this person's life? What is God already doing in this person's life? Bartimaeus, the blind man on the road into Jericho, God was already doing something and he was about to heal him. And Jesus would have missed it. He would have missed it if he had been influenced by the crowd. And Jesus would have missed it if he had stated his agenda. But maybe for that moment in time, Bartimaeus was the only agenda that Jesus had and the next person that I meet, the next person that we meet and talk to, we should ask that question. What is God already doing in their life? What is God about to do next? And this is for believers and unbelievers. Everyone can experience God. We're, we're made in his image. And I am there. We are there not to serve ourselves, our agenda, but to serve the king to serve what he is doing, to escort that person into his presence. And as Christians, as Christians, we have the spirit of God inside of us. If Jesus did it, right place, right time, right lines, then why can't we? And that is the third thing. Ask the question, what is God already doing in this person's life? What is God about to do? And move with the spirit, be Led by the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. I want to tell you about our book of the month that goes with this series. We've got it available down in the resources in the coffee shop. I was just looking after the nine and I think they're sold out. So you have to put your name down on order for that. It just shows you how good they are. It's written, it's written by Philip Yancey, one of the, the best Christian writers of our time. And it's called, What Good Is God? What Good Is God? And it follows Philip around the world, giving the, the story behind the, the places where he speaks. In America, Philip goes to Virginia Tech just after the, the campus massacre and speaks to the students. He goes to Green Lake and speaks to professional sex workers. 
In China, he meets leaders from the underground church. In India, he speaks at a, a church in Mumbai as the Taj Mahal Palace Hotel is still under siege. It is an incredible and very moving read. As Philip hears and he sees and he writes about stories of grace and God. And God becomes present in the most painful and and testing of situations. And there is one quote, one quote that I want to use here. It comes as Philip Yancey describes a a visit to Polesmore Prison, the most violent prison in South Africa, where Nelson Mandela spent eight years of his confinement. Philip had met a woman called Joanna Flanders Thomas, and Joanna had started visiting the the prisoners daily, bringing them a a simple gospel message of, of forgiveness. The year before Joanna's visits began, Polesmore Prison recorded 279 acts of violence. The next year, there were two. And the following year, eight. It is an incredible story of grace. And Philip asked Joanna about what had happened in the prison. And she said, well, of course, Philip, God was already present in the prison I just had to make him visible. God was already present. God was present. And whether that is in the most violent prison in South Africa or a children's playground in Hauzawin, we are there to make God visible. We experience God's grace so that we can show God's grace. Moving now, moving now to the the second encounter. Jesus doesn't stop, he doesn't stop. He kept traveling in Luke 19 verse one. It says says that he was passing through, not accepting the the hospitality of the the community, not intending to to stop the night in Jericho. And given what was happening here, Jesus' popularity, they would have been put out by that. Then starting in verse two, it says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Zacchaeus Zacchaeus must have heard about Jesus, and God must already have been doing something in his life, because his reaction gives him away. In the Middle East, adults don't run in public and powerful rich men don't climb trees anywhere in the world. So to avoid shame and being seen, Zacchaeus ran ahead of the crowd. And it probably wasn't just because Zacchaeus was short that he climbed and that he hid. With his reputation as a a chief tax collector and siding with Rome, he would have felt safer hiding out off the ground out of the crowd where his life may have been threatened. The the flash of a blade and his body would only have been discovered when the crowd moved on. And it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And what gets me here is, the contrast, the contrast. In the, in the first encounter, Jesus is showing grace to the, to the poor. In the second encounter, Jesus is showing grace to the rich. 
And there is a contrast between the powerless and the powerful, between the oppressed and the oppressor. And sometimes it is easier to, to talk about the poor, to, to reach out to the poor. And with Bartimaeus, the crowd's reaction, they, they changed. At first, they, they tried to shut him up. And then when Jesus healed him, they praised God. They were put out, but not offended. But now with Zacchaeus, it will be different. And Jesus, again, again, he isn't influenced by the crowd. He shows that God's grace is limitless. Even this oppressor that the crowd hated, hiding out in a, in a tree in fear of his life, wasn't beyond God, wasn't beyond saving. Then there is something, something that happens here that more than anything I want us to go from here with. And it's about our eyes, our eyes, what we see or, or what we don't see. Bartimaeus was blind and and Jesus healed him. Zacchaeus was in hiding and Jesus saw him. And for us, for us, we can have 20-20 vision, but still be blind to the world around us. I know I am at times, blind to what is around me or, or more to the point, who is around me? In Matthew 6, Jesus said, the eye, the eye is the, the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. The eye is the lamp of the body. It is where the, the light is. It is how we see what God is already doing. It is how we see people that may be hiding out. Not just with physical eyes, but with the spirit. He is looking under the surface. Helmut Thillich, and I've said that wrong, I know that, was a German theologian. And he wrote this. Jesus, Jesus gained the power to love harlots, bullies and ruffians. He was able to do this only because he saw through the filth and crust of degeneration. Because his eye, his eye caught the divine origin which is hidden in every way, in every man. First and foremost, he gives us new eyes, new eyes. God gives us new eyes, eyes to see the divine origin. And it is my prayer that we would have new eyes, eyes to see God in others, eyes to see God in the the person that is poor, eyes to see God in the person that is rich, eyes to see God in the the powerless and and the powerful, in the oppressed and the oppressor, eyes to see past the mess, eyes to see God in everyone. I believe that when we experience grace, God opens our eyes. And you know, I need to experience more grace. More grace. Because I don't think I see that well. And if I'm honest, sometimes I'm scared to look at what I can see. And I know what God will be asking of me. What God will be asking of us. He'll be saying, go. Go to the edge of town where God's grace is dangerous, where it is outrageous. And just for a moment, just for a moment, I want us all to close our eyes. Close our eyes. And I want you to think back. Think back maybe yesterday or sometime last week 
Was there somebody? Is there somebody that comes to mind? Maybe you can see them now. Somebody you could have talked to. Someone you could have said more to. Somebody that seemed for whatever reason. And maybe you can't explain it, but it just felt like they were on the edge. They were on the edge of your town. And maybe you did say something there when you met them. On the street or paying for something at checkout or in the playground dropping off the children or in the office or, or wherever that was. On the bus, on the train. Wherever you met them. Wherever you set your eyes on them. And I want to pray for those people that we set our eyes on. That were on the edge of our town. And then I want to pray for opportunities, supernatural opportunities in the coming weeks as we go through this series where we will see other people on the edge of our town and we'll have a conversation and God's grace that we've experienced, we'll be able to show it. Lord Jesus, I pray for those people that we're thinking of now. Maybe we had a conversation with them, maybe we didn't. Lord, that's gone now. But I pray for those people in their lives. Lord, that your grace would be there. Lord, they'd be attracted to it. Lord Jesus, you'd speak something supernaturally into their lives and you'd call them into your presence. And God, I pray for opportunities in the coming weeks as we go through this series. Lord, that we would see, we would set our eyes on people who are on the edge of our town. And Lord, in the conversations that we have with them, your grace, your grace that we experience here, Lord, it will be shown to them And God, you are already present in their lives. We just need to make you visible. Lord, become visible to people who have not yet seen you. Pray that in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He exposed him. And with that, the, the atmosphere of the, of the crowd would have changed with the, the potential for violence. They would have expected Jesus to, to side with them. They would have applauded Jesus if, if he'd spoken out against Zacchaeus, the oppressor. And what Jesus risks here is incredible. Jesus doesn't attack Zacchaeus. He stands with him. And he turns the, the crowd's hostility onto himself. This is grace, costly grace, taking the the punishment that someone else deserved and putting it on yourself. And in this here, Jesus was acting out the, the power of his own cross. And the crowd, they were left questioning and offended. It says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a of a sinner. And you can almost hear Jesus thinking, yes, yes, now you're getting it. Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. That is what God, the Son of God does. That is what he came to do. That is who he came to to save. That is why he was going to die on a cross, so that sinners could experience the grace of God. And then Jesus is asking us to follow him. And do the same. To go and be the guest 
of sinners. And then later on, back at his home, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half, half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the, the amount. Zacchaeus exaggerates. That was cultural. And he does it to demonstrate his sincerity. He can't fulfill this pledge and no one expected him to. What it showed, what it showed was his repentance. That he had turned his back on the old life. And having read that, I get the sense that we should never limit or protect God's grace. When it came to Zacchaeus, that was what the crowd were, were doing. They coped with Jesus reaching out to, to Bartimaeus, but Zacchaeus was beyond what they could cope with. And maybe, maybe we sometimes do the same. We think that we need to police God's grace. We decide who experiences it and when they experience it. Maybe we think they can experience it when they start behaving, when they've dealt with some of the mess, when they've read the Ten Commandments and got seven out of ten. Whatever it is that we sometimes put in their way. But Jesus didn't do that. He showed grace. Grace that cost him. And sometimes like the crowd, we could get offended and think, God, how could you do that? How could you love that person? How could you go and and eat with them? Can't you see what they're doing? Can't you see what their life is like? But God doesn't need us to police his grace for him. He needs us to experience his grace so that we can show his grace. It isn't about us. It's about him. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. The son of man came to seek and to save what was lost and you can't be found until you realise that you're lost. And sometimes I need to hear this again. I am a, a sinner Saved by grace. That is the message of the good news. And sometimes I think we stop experiencing God's grace in our lives because we refuse to believe that we're lost. We're lost without him. Gordon MacDonald, the Christian leader and writer, he said, and we'll, we'll go to the finish with this. He said, the world can do anything, anything the church can do except one thing it cannot show grace grace God's grace is what we can show to the to the world that no one else can and sometimes sometimes when you're in the bible and you're you're writing a message and you get to the finish and you just want to commit yourself again you want to respond to your your own appeal (laughs) because God God your grace is incredible And Jesus, we want to give our lives to following you. And each morning, each morning when we get up and we get our heads sorted out and we can pray, we can pray and say to God, give me eyes, give me eyes to see what you are already doing in people's lives, what you are about to do and where we can show your dangerous, your outrageous grace.
But to finish, we're going to pray and there's a, a song that we're going to sing. The song is called God of This City. And the chorus, it says this, for greater things have yet to come and greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come. And greater things are still to be done here. And I believe, I believe if we're experiencing God's grace and we're, we're showing God's grace and the people that Jesus attracted, we're going to attract them to this church. And it's my prayer. I'm sure it's all our prayers that we can say each time that we meet together today, today salvation has come to this house. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray and then we'll sing. God, God, I pray through your spirit, Lord, your, your words, through your word, that, that, that you speak through your spirit. Lord, you would challenge us. You would challenge us. You would challenge us to go to the edge of town, whatever that is for us. We'd go to the edge of town. Lord, we'd experience your grace so that we can show your grace. Lord, we'd know that you are already there. You're already doing something in people's lives, whether they're believers or unbelievers. And God, we'd be there to make you visible to them. And Lord, I pray for us. I pray for this church, Lord, that every time we meet together, the people you attracted would be attracted to this place. And every time we meet together, God, we would be able to say, today, today salvation has come to this house. In your name, Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen.